Hello, everybody, and welcome to the pilot episode of our podcast, Law Time, baby. I'm your host, Charles Gia. On the first episode, we will be covering the topic of substance control and the legalization of substances in Canada. We have amazing content ahead of us, so stay tuned. First, a word from the sponsor of our podcast, Van Scoot. Do you hate exercising but don't want to deal with the traffic of downtown? Yes, exercising sucks. Traffic is ridiculous. Oh my, do I have a business for you fellas. With Van Scoot, you can cruise along the city streets on an electric scooter without putting in any effort at all. Other than your credit card, of course. That sounds awesome. This is exactly what I need in my life. Van Scoot. Power, grace, ease. Now back to the podcast. Thank you, Vansky, for that message. Now, on to our topic. But first, I'd like to introduce my three co-hosts, Aiden Hart, Ben Dragon, and Jun Tang. How are you gentlemen doing today? I'm just feeling positively happy right now. You know, I'm going to be honest. I woke up with a pretty bad attitude, but then I remembered. Today is the day of our pilot episode of this podcast, and that completely flipped my attitude. What about you, Jun? I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, elaborate. I'm... I'm very good. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, as I stated before, our topic for today is focused on the legalization of substances here in Canada. On October 18th, 2018, cannabis, also known as marijuana and, quote, weed, was legalized in our country. Depending on the province or territory you live in, you can buy the drug at a legal location if you are of age. For instance, here in beautiful British Columbia, the minimum, the minimum purchasing age is 19 and you're allowed to have up to 1,000 grams of cannabis in your possession at home, but only up to 30 grams in public. Guys, I want to know your opinions on this. Is the legal age too low, too high? Well, in my opinion, I think the age is just right. As you become an adult in Canada uh, at the age of 18, you should be able to make your own decisions, including whether you're going to be buying marijuana or not. Now hold on a minute. Think about it. At age 19, the average Canadian is in university. You are possibly going to endure peer pressure, and this can cause you to make bad decisions, especially as a freshman trying to fit in. I believe that the legal age is a little too low. Now, come on, Ben. Just because you made bad choices in university doesn't mean everybody else will too. I'm with Aiden on this one. Alrighty, what about the amount of cannabis you're allowed to have in your possession? At home? In public? I think the amount you're allowed to have at home is about right, but the amount you can carry in public should be a little lower. I believe you shouldn't be able to carry any weed in public because... What, have you been smoking lately? (laughs) (laughs) Now, just hear me out. I think this um, way because 30 grams is a lot to have in public. You can get extremely high and then be a source of harm to not only others, but yourself too. Additionally, this might give incentive to people to start selling pot illegally. I feel like it's best not to allow an individual to have any weed in his or her possession in public, just to play it safe. When talking about the amount you can have at home, I see no problem with that. What are your thoughts, Charles? Well, I mean, I agree with Aiden on this. I don't believe Canadians should be able to have cannabis in their possession in public unless it it is for medicinal use. Even then, the amount allowed shouldn't be too great. I think it sets a bad example for children, adolescents, and even other adults. Hold on a second, though. If you're not allowed to have any weed in public, how are you supposed to transport it from the store where you bought it home? Uh, we didn't really think about that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, it's alright, it's alright then, it's alright. Okay, well now, we have Kyla Lee on the line, who is a criminal lawyer with expertise in driving under the influence and immediate roadside protection. How are you doing, Kyla? Hi, Kyla. Hi. Thank you for um, uh, letting us interview you today. Yeah, anytime. Um, how are you doing today? 
I'm okay, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Uh, I'm going to start with the questions. Okay, uh, my first question is, if controlled substances were legal, how would how would companies prevent teens from using the using these substances? As well as how would these companies sell their product? If if controlled substances were legal, I mean just like the way that we've seen in the last year with cannabis legalization, companies can prevent youth from or teenagers from uh using and obtaining the products by ensuring that they have strict processes in place to prevent the products from getting in the hands of children. Um, you know, we've been selling alcohol in in Canada for a long time, and you know, we do a, a decent job of preventing teenagers from from getting it. It's not perfect, but you know, just with cannabis too, we've we've been doing well enough at uh, getting uh, keeping that out of the hands of uh, youth since it's been legalized. And and really, the um, the best way to go about doing that is to ensure that um, that you know when the at the point of sale, there's checks on people's IDs to ensure that they're legal age for purchasing the products, to make sure that there's appropriate messaging to uh, teenagers about the dangers of using controlled substances as a teenager. Um, there's a, a consistent campaign uh, to discourage uh, the use of those substances and that parents are, are educating their uh, their children responsibly um, about responsible use and, and respecting the age limits. I mean, nothing's okay. going to be perfect, obviously. Um, okay. And, you know, controlled substances are illegal now and teenagers are still getting them. So it's never going to be perfect. But, I mean, we have mechanisms in place that do a good job of keeping children from having access to these things. Um, our second question is, would legalizing controlled substances help the Canadian economy grow? Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, legalization of controlled uh, controlled substances and you know opioids or or recreational drugs other than cannabis um, would have a, a positive impact on the economy in two ways. Um, the first is you can look at countries that have legalized them, and you see that their healthcare costs associated with addiction um, and associated with accidental overdoses are much lower than in places where the drugs are illegal. Um, similarly. Uh, you would you would reduce the costs associated with all of the criminal trials and prosecutions that take place for possession charges uh, or for uh, trafficking charges um, because those cases would no longer be before the courts because it would be lawful to use those substances and so there'd be no you know nobody would be prosecuted for possessing them um, and that would uh, also protect the economy and, and grow the economy because you would save all of that money on incarceration on, on the justice system and the toll that this takes on the justice system, the health care, and you would be able to tax them and get tax revenue. And the tax revenue is probably not likely to grow the economy as much as many people predict. Um, we saw that, again, with cannabis legalization. There wasn't as much money coming in as they had hoped. Um, but we've got an opportunity now with the legalization of cannabis to learn from the mistakes that were made um, to make this something that is more beneficial to the economy. And I guess the final point on that is that when you have um, when you have a legal industry, you can regulate, um, which means you can have people that are that are opening stores, they're creating businesses, that's creating um, revenue for local governments in licensing and permitting and and property tax fees. It's creating generating rental income for landlords. 
it has all it's, it's creating employment um, for people to work in these stores to produce these substances to enforce the enforcement regime that's going to be in place for you know for appropriate distribution all of that generates revenue it creates jobs and it grows the economy there's there's only positives in my view that come from legalization and or decriminalization of of controlled substances Thank you. Um, our next question is, since controlled substances are illegal in Canada and can be seized without question and can be charged, would this violate people's way of leaving, living even though through the intended purpose was for self-usage? I don't quite understand that question. I have to admit, when I read your questions last night, I wasn't quite sure what you were, what you meant. Um, um, my, um, my, like, um, what I meant was, like, would this violate uh, people's, like, um, way of living? Because, like, um, self-usage is like you're using it for like yourself, but you're not attending it for like uh, selling it to somebody. But uh, right. would this be like, would this violate, would it, um, is this illegal? So the, does making controlled substances illegal pose some type of a violation on like on religious or human rights grounds? No. Yes. Yeah, no, it, no it doesn't. No, that, in fact, somebody tried this recently. I don't have the citation for the case where they tried to argue that um, the a person had had grown cannabis, um, and that this was part of a of a um, a cultural uh, indigenous right. And the court had none of it. Um, in fact, many lawyers didn't even want to take the case um, because you don't have a. a what your charter protected rights and your your human rights protect is state interference in your ability to uh, practice your religion, state interference in your ability to participate in cultural activities. It's immutable characteristics. Whether or not you use heroin is not an immutable characteristic. And we don't have in Canada indigenous groups that use uh, at least to my knowledge, um, indigenous groups that use controlled substances in a way that um, that would give rise to any indigenous rights of use in relation to them. Now, you might see in the southern United States better challenges uh, related to like the use of peyote and things like that. Um, but even still, um, it's not necessarily something that um, that would be successful because when the court does an analysis of whether or not a law violates somebody's rights, they do an exercise of weighing and they look at whether uh, whether a law violates your rights or not is not the only thing they look at. They also look at whether or not the law is a justifiable infringement and what the purpose of the law is. And so it would be considered, in my opinion, likely be considered a justifiable infringement on an indigenous group's rights or on a cultural group's rights to say you can't use this controlled substance because of the, um, you know, the risk of addiction, because of the risk of harm that comes uh, comes with it, the the public costs associated with with providing health care for all of that. So, no, I I don't think it would be a, a violation of anybody's sort of personal rights or charter protected rights to prohibit a substance from being lawful. Thank you. Um, our next question is: Would legalizing controlled substances help the problem of drug abuse in Canada? For example, like East Hastings Street. Absolutely. Um, they've done studies on this in other countries. I believe in Norway they legalized opioids and they don't have an opioid crisis um, because people have access to, to clean supplies. 
um, they have access to resources. And as soon as you have a point of sale that is controlled by the government, you have the opportunity to direct people when you're selling um, a product to them to the resources that they need in addition to um, the substance that they're looking for. You also have uh, an ability to provide a clean, a clean supply, so looking specifically at the opioid crisis. You know, how we got where we were was because people who were addicted to you know, to heroin, to crack, to cocaine, um, to, you know, even to some extent to methamphetamine, although less so, um, they were purchasing them and the the suppliers were starting to cut uh, the, the substances with, um, uh, with fentanyl. And that was not only much more addictive than what was previously being used, um, but it was also causing significant harm because people weren't used to the doses that they were getting and we have, you know, numerous overdoses. Now we see this trend towards people who are addicted not to the heroin, not to the crack, not to the cocaine, but addicted to the fentanyl and are seeking out the fentanyl. And then they're being overdosed with the car fentanyl, which is cheaper and more synthetic. Um, and so it's that, uh, it, it's sort of that cycle um, that you get into when you, have, uh, when you have a lack of legalization and a lack of a clean supply. And you have drug uh, traffickers wanting to consistently increase their profit margins while decreasing their cost. The cheaper you can sell somebody a high and the more addicted you make them to that high, the more likely you are to make further sales. And they don't care if they kill people because they know the next person that takes it is going to wind up addicted. And so they have a, a never-ending supply of customers that they can sell a, a product to at a huge markup um, for a very low cost to them. Okay, uh, this is our last question. Uh, mm -hmm. What are the main reasons for hesitation of legalization of controlled substances? Well, I mean, that's hard to say because there's, on the one hand, there's the uh, people who say, well, you know, there's there's the, you know, we got to protect children and we have to protect people from being addicted. And but all of that really comes out of this, this anti-drug culture, the war on drugs that was developed. That's not necessarily connected to what actually is the reason why people are not um uh, or people are being um, uh, people are being criminalized for using controlled substances or, or purchasing or manufacturing controlled substances. Um, a lot of it too comes out of the government's desire to want to control revenue um, and to want to control behavior. Um, and we see this, you know, this this stems from the war on drugs. Um, and I don't think that it's a uh, I don't think it's a conscious decision at any government level at any point now. But I think at some point, someone in government decided that it would be better to um, to legalize or to, to prohibit controlled substances and developed a rhetoric for it that people have bought into. And it's the same thing, you know, we, we accept things in our society because that's the way things have always been done. And I think when it comes to the legalization of controlled substances, a lot of it is, well, that's just the way it's always been done. It's always been illegal. So there's no reason to make it legal now. Um, the, and the, the rhetoric that's been sold to the public to explain why it's illegal makes us think that it's harmful. And, you know, lots of them are harmful. Um, but it's, you know, it's reinforcing that notion in our brains. Well, the government's trying to protect us. They made it illegal. It must be bad. And so therefore, we shouldn't make it lawful. Okay. Thank you, Kyla. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Hopefully that helps. I don't know if that was useful to you at all, but <laughs> Oh, it was it was great. Thank you. Okay, all right. Have a nice day. Good luck. You too. All right. Bye. 
Thank you to our first guest ever on Law Time, baby, Kyla Lee. What a great interview. As an expert on this topic, she had a lot to contribute. Kyla is a member of the top 25 most influential lawyers in Canada of 2019. All right, fellows, let's move on to the topic of other controlled substances that are still illegal, such as heroin and cocaine and other hard drugs. Like Kyla Lee said, controlled substances are still getting into the hands of teens, even though they are illegal. Why do you guys think this is? Well, I believe this is the case because both kids and adults like to seem rebellious, quote. They are more inclined to do things that are against the law because they make it more of an adrenaline rush of sorts by breaking the rules. In addition, it may seem to them that by using these narcotics, they appear, quote, cooler and tougher. So you're saying that if the government were to legalize these sorts of substances, they would be abused less? Well, I think the rush of breaking the law would go away and that would probably decrease their usage, yes. Aiden, what do you think? I disagree with Charles. I think legalizing these drugs would only make the drug problem worse. Teenagers and young adults would only have easier access to drugs, making the problem worse or more severe. They would abuse the privilege of having drugs legal and get high even more than they already do. June, what's your opinion on this topic? I agree with Anya on this. Legalizing harder substances would only make kids more inclined to do them and give them more ways to access them. The drug problem would only get worse than it already is. Legalizing more drugs is a bad idea for everybody. What do you think, Ben? I'm on the fence. I agree with the fact that legalizing drugs would minimize the incentives for kids to access them. But kids aren't the majority of the population here. The adults who use the drugs illegally would have easier access to the drugs and use them more. Instead of having to go through all the levels of a dealer and illegally transporting them and all that hassle, they could just go to a drugstore and buy them. I think I actually agree with Aiden and June now on this. The drug problem is already really bad, and legalizing harder drugs like cocaine and heroin and meth and all those would only make it worse. Well, it looks like that's all the time we have for the first episode of Law Time, baby. To summarize, today we found out that Aiden smokes weed underage. Well, that's not what I was going to say, but you're not wrong. We had a great pilot episode of our podcast today. We covered the controversial topic of substance legalization in Canada with varying opinions from me and my three co-hosts. We also spoke to Kyla Lee, an accomplished lawyer who is an expert on the subject. Our friend Lance Armstrong is also an expert on the subject. In all seriousness, controlled substances are not something to be joked about. Over 15,000 Canadians die of overdoses every year, and more than 17,000 are hospitalized because of substance use. We hope, this number, we hope that this number goes down soon and the solution to this drug problem can be found. Thank you for tuning in today. From all of us here at Law Time, baby, until next time. Do you hate exercising but don't want to deal with the traffic of downtown? Podcast over, Charles. Van Scoot.